on? How's it going? Good. How's life been for you? Very good. Kind of starting to be able to breathe a little bit here. So yeah, yeah. Harvest season comes to an end shortly. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. yeah we're done. Yeah. So that was nice to wrap up. We're getting a little rain here today. So yeah, can't complain. Nope. Has it been a good year overall for you? It was a good year. Yeah, we um, we did quite well this year. So we're, we're uh, pretty happy with everything we got. And it's always I mean, we've farmed well into October before. So it's always nice to get like done a little early. And there's times where it's like rained and you know, you're sitting for 20 days, but it's just hard to start any new projects or anything else when you're kind of waiting on getting that done. So yeah, it was nice to get up early. You're in limbo, right? It's that phase, yeah. the awkward phase. <laughs> it is awkward, yeah. So no, this is it's been great. That's good. For yeah. the listeners, Drew, you're from, you're in Alberta, but you're not Blackie. No, uh, I'm. A, I live in Strathmore now. Our farm is uh, out around Standard, so it's um, yeah, another. It's like an hour east of Calgary, just about straight east of Calgary. Interesting, yeah, Standard. Oh my God, <laughs> I. Uh, just like many people probably know about one story from standard you have one story well that's more than most i would say (laughs) no that's good so you have your own studio at home i see that yeah it's kind of just a little basement kind of thing i don't do a ton of recording here but nice to be able to come down and listen things and do a few things so it's uh yeah so always nice to have that space and we have like a three-story house so we got the two boys and uh and the wife can go upstairs and still sleep and we got that one floor separation so it's uh nice to keep them up all night doing doing the music thing absolutely and especially after work you know that's kind of like your unwind time right yeah yeah i've always said that about music i mean people wonder how you kind of do a couple jobs but like you know finish on the farm on a friday and and head out on the road and and do a couple shows and it's uh to me, that is the unwind time, just uh, hanging out with the band and stuff and even the road trips. And yeah, it's it's a blast. And uh, yeah, even like I say, coming down here, listening to some music and, um, you know, getting some work done here. It's uh, something I enjoy so much that it's, uh, it never feels like another job that I got to run to. So it's great. I love it. Where do you get your inspiration from for your sound and for your music? Yeah, I mean, lots of different places, I guess, lyrically, just kind of coming from the farm and the, the like standard has 350 people in it. So there's there's lots of uh, inspiration, you know, just for, for those small town stories and stuff. And, um, and the farm gives me lots of time, I guess, sitting on tractors going going real slow back and forth for, for quite a while and uh, think up a lot of uh, ideas and stuff there, I guess, too. So that's kind of what, lyrically where it comes from. Musically, I would say more inclined to the the rock and roll side of things maybe more like a classic classic rock i guess i I grew up just on a lot of that you see the records behind me there too so um some of those are are dads and uh you know kind of started my own collection but i always loved the vinyl and and we always had a lot of that mom and dad always had uh tons of music on but yeah it was was generally more in the the kind of rock and classic rock 60s 70s stuff so um i think when i kind of get in the studio i like to like to rock it up a little, little, little heavier guitars and stuff and, and have some fun with it musically that way too. I love it. You know, when it comes to influence and uh, just vinyl in general, that sound is so unique, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I've loved it. I've, I've dreamed for a long time about having a vinyl and we're finally making it happen here. We're actually putting a bunch of, so I've got, uh, I guess like seven, kind of records eps out now they're kind of behind me there too if you can see up oh, on the wow, look at that yeah little uh little pictures of all of them but um yeah i um 
have have been at it you know 12 years we put a few albums out now and i thought what if we kind of it's vinyl is tricky because it's quite expensive especially if you're doing a, a little bit of a smaller order so um you know a lot of the common thing to do is make like kind of six pack albums so you're not really even filling the vinyl when when you do that so we're trying to uh come up with a way that we could get a vinyl record out we thought what if we did like kind of a greatest hit so far um so we, we called it a, a decade of of music and um i guess we called it a look back and we kind of developed it last year and, and put some of the the old kind of the pre-covid uh songs out that uh that people really were drawn to from each album made it a whole fan driven experience uh you know made sure we, we had lots of posts on social media and people could give their input about what their favorite songs were and why and uh yeah the whole process has been awesome and yeah we're we're, we're should be getting that right away here and we're gonna try to get it out before christmas and uh and yeah give give people a chance to to get me on vinyl and just a, a dream of mine kind of come true as well when it comes to vinyl it's funny back in the day how inexpensive it was and yeah. today it's like a thing where even buying a vinyl is like sixty dollars. Is that right, man? I don't think we're going to call that charge that much, but uh, you know, we're to, again, it was a fan based thing, and 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 to me, the whole thing was like a just to make that kind of dream of mine of having a vinyl come true, and and b just give something that you know the people that have been with us right from the start. I put my first. Uh, first album out CD, I guess, uh, uh, in 2010. So that was kind of where it started for me. And, and, uh, yeah, what did we, I think we had like 37 songs we, we have put out, you know, fully recorded, uh, studio stuff. So yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was a chance to kind of put the best of all together and, and again, just give back for that. So I won't, I won't charge, I won't charge 60 bucks anyways. <laughs> no, that's good. Yeah. You know, it's funny though, for you, what exactly is vinyl? Like that sound in your ear. What, what is it that it draws us to vinyl? Man, that's a good question. It's uh, for me, it's a bit of a nostalgic thing. There is a sound for sure, you know, but there's also just that feeling of like, I'm going to go put a side of a record on and listen to it. Front, I'm not like skipping through Spotify or iTunes, you know, you're, you're not like just skip, skip, skip kind of thing. It's like, kind of the experience is probably the bigger thing for me, you know, just kind of growing up with it. But uh, there definitely is a sound that that little bit of uh, white noise, that little bit of, uh, especially when you get into the older records, I mean, the way they recorded things like now everything's perfect. And if it doesn't sound, if something's a little off, you really notice it because everything else radio everywhere else is, uh, is just everything's been recorded on computers and you can just do things over and over. I actually love just hearing some mistakes and stuff. And there's some huge, amazing albums that like they just had to record it all at once together, you know? So there's definitely little blips and stuff where, where people have kind of messed up. And I just love that. It's just makes music real to me. So that's uh, another thing that I love about there's vinyl. beauty and imperfection, isn't there? Yeah. yeah, I agree. It's the the human side of it. It's always what I've loved about music, not the perfect side of it. So yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm, I love vinyl. So Johnny Cash is on replay. Oh yeah, nice. I'm a huge yeah. Cash fan. <laughs> yeah, I think I got one or two, one or two. I got a lot of Waylon. There, there's a, a few Waylon albums in there. So, yeah, kind of a mix of that kind of edgier country, and then um, you know, like I said, lots of old rock too. Did you grow up on a farm? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, we lived in town in Standard until I was 16, and the farm is about three miles west of Standard. So uh, we moved out there when my grandparents moved off the farm. So it's a, like about a fifth generation farm. 
um, the farmyard itself has been in the family for, for three generations. So, uh, yeah, um, my grandma and grandpa moved off the farm. We moved out there. So I got uh, a little bit of the full farm experience for my teen years. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think we hope to be out there soon as well. So mom and dad are going to move to town and, and we can kind of get out there and, uh, you know, I, I'd love to raise my boys they are six and three now. So I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, there's, there's things you lose being way out there on the farm, but I think there's a, a whole, mu- whole bunch more you gain. And just that fact that you're kind of living in the same place that you're working, just, uh, you know, able to teach them so much more, I think, being out there. When you think about the farm and uh, the pride and joy that you get out of it personally, what do you think it is? Is it the sunsets? Is it just yeah. knowing that your fifth generation <laughs> what is it what makes you take I'm following uh my instagram lately i think i just watched <laughs> the sunset every every day because yes. you know, they were beautiful this year but um yeah i don't know that that to me i guess is the time even during harvest season we still got you know three four hours of work after the sun goes down but uh to me that's the time where the day kind of settles out and you're just kind of looking out and there's just a, a calmness every day to it the, the just the quietness of it i uh I lived in the city, so moved right from there, standard little town, you know, and then the farm right into the city when I was uh, 18. And and just, um, I spent two years, it was crazy, it was fun, you know, but uh, after two years, I kind of realized that, that wasn't the place for me. So I've uh, been back out in the, the country every since, ever since. But um, yeah, I don't know, I guess growing up with it, it's just, uh, it's really part of life. I remember grandpa telling me once that uh, farming was a lot more than just earning a paycheck, you know, it's a, it's a whole way of life. And I think the fact that your job is, is also your way of life is, uh, is maybe a big part of the, where the pride comes from too. Oh, hundred percent. Are yeah. you guys farming for wheat? Yeah, we do wheat and barley and canola and peas. So we get, we rotate crops and we have no, no livestock. So it's all just a uh, grain farm, which is, has worked out well with the, the music. You know, you um, have a lot of work to do, especially in the summer, but um, the winter get a little more time to, uh, to do the songwriting. And I get down to Nashville a couple of times a winter to, to meet up with some songwriting friends. And yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's busy, but uh, flexible, I guess, uh, when it, when it needs to be at certain times of year, certain times it's not, I usually take May off for seeding and September off for, uh, for the harvest at least. And uh, yeah, it's uh, so far worked pretty well together. When you look at farming, I mean, five generations, so technology has just changed over the years. Has it changed rapidly as we look over the last 10 years versus before, you know, it was like slowly growing. Yeah. I mean, I think people, underestimate when you start talking about farm tech it's it's incredible like what they've done and <clears throat> same as anything I mean computers different things you know that that have all you know rapidly advanced in the last 10 20 years you know apart from you know the previous 80 years kind of thing so it's uh it's crazy how how far farming's come and and you know it's a business just like any other you get you gotta adapt with all that technology. And that's where I feel I've kind of added some value is, is trying to keep up on all these, these tech trends and the things we do have at our disposal, uh, you know, are amazing and, and talk about the environmental impact and all that stuff too. So, you know, that's going to become a bigger and bigger thing where we're not just like used to just, uh, like till everything, you know, and, and that, that caused, you know, a lot of, uh, dirt to blow away erosion, different things like that. So now we do no-till farming, um, like just the fertilizers, how we apply those. And we uh, have GPS on everything. So now you do variable rate, you know, where you, where the, where the crops are going to grow and you really need a lot of fertilizer, you can put more down. And then that 
all that fertilizer is utilized, but, uh, you know, as, as opposed to just broadcasting the same amount everywhere, uh, a lot of that runs off or is evaporated. And, you know, so it's just, uh, all this different technology coming in is, uh, is incredible. And, and in my opinion, nothing but good, except it costs, costs a lot of money. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, they say like ag tech, there's, there's so much, uh, out there now, but it's like, what is actually beneficial and what's just noise just like anything yeah. right it's like okay this sounds great but is it going to actually benefit me or is it just complicating my life right? yeah absolutely and then how much do you pay for that tech where it becomes more beneficial to have it than not have it you know what i mean so it's uh yeah do you guys use one software like for everything like magic? no not really we have like um like trimble is kind of uh a big thing that we use, but, uh, then when you get like in that, we have some John Deere equipment, they kind of have their own system and stuff too. So you like, can how do you track all the wheat and all that? Cause you know, like cat, um, for ranchers, they have something from the States it's called cattle max. Okay. It's like asset management, like, Oh, from birth to slaughter almost. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You got to keep track of everything. Yeah. And we do keep track of everything. It's just on a couple of different programs, but yeah, the combine harvester has, uh, has Trimble in it. So we can see exactly, yeah, where the high yields are and like why, you know, they were there. We do uh, soil sampling as well. We have an agronomist on as well. So that's how you kind of determine your course of action for next year with the, with the variable rate fertilizer and, you know, different things, even with like sprays and stuff where that, where that's going to become more and more, you can just uh, spray patches of, of, where uh where you need to as opposed to just doing the whole field you know where just the really bad weeds are and stuff so yeah it's just uh it's a it's a lot of uh figuring out to do but we do have like great agronomists and, and techs on board and stuff that can can help us with that and then we just got to implement it so you guys got like aerial technology to look down or that's just to a, take a drone yeah, that's, that's i think going to be one of the next big things flying the drones over your field and then uh that's where you can get like, you know, just a, a tiny little patch. This is where some real bad weeds are. And then you take the sprayer over it and it just sprays that instead of doing the whole field again. So it's, uh, yeah, to me, like for how much the chemicals cost, how much fertilizers costs, that is going to be something where that that's what you weigh against the technology that you have. And it's like right now, especially with fertilizer and the, and the price of it uh variable rate is is clearly something that's uh that's needed <laughs> or you're cutting way back if you're just broadcasting all of it but um yeah that's that's where it can really pay off i think you're saving a lot of a lot of fertilizer or at least all the fertilizer you're using is is being you know utilized by by the plant i feel like farming is um uh, it's not for anybody like it really is beyond the money like because it, it costs a lot yeah and the yeah. energy too yeah continue to push through year after year after year yeah yeah i don't know i think you do you do have to love it and i mean it's a hard thing I'm, I'm very thankful my family's in it too because you know i don't think you can just like think as a as a young kid right now oh i'm gonna be a farmer when i grow up if there's you know if you're living in downtown calgary it, it's just you can't buy land you know if you're buying land you're, you're probably buying it for your kids or your kids kids like you know you're never gonna pay it off anymore that's just the the reality of it but um yeah. And, and just, we rent a lot of land too, you know, from neighbors that have kind of gotten out of it over the, over the last few years, it's just becoming uh, a big business kind of thing. So um, you got to either keep up or, you know, just the price of everything is going to crush you. Same as any business. Right. But uh, yeah, you definitely got to love it. So do you have like family that's also helping you when you guys are out there? Cause that's a lot of land too. <laughs> yeah. No, we just, we have um, 
just uh, me and dad do do most. And then we hire a guy. He's, he's a retired guy. Great guy to have a very mechanical and everything. And uh, he works with us in during the seeding season and the harvest season when it's uh, when it's really busy. But he doesn't we don't have to keep him employed all year because there's sometimes a year where we're just kind of waiting for things to be ready or, you know, and he's, he's fine. Just kind of call me when you need me kind of thing. So it's it's always good to have a guy like that, isn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) Do you have any grain elevators around you guys? No, not really close. We have to drive just probably about 45 minutes would just about be the closest one. So everything's on rail now and we don't have any, the, the railways, uh, you know, were torn up years ago, right around. So they used to go to every little town and every little town had, had elevators, but that's when, you know, there was, like a hundred farms around the town, not, uh, you know, now it's down 10, 20 farms around the town. So yeah, you gotta, gotta haul it a little farther. So that's been another challenge. That's kind of the winter job. And we do have a lot of grain this year. We didn't have much last year, but, uh, yeah, we'll be, uh, we'll be moving lots of grain this year, which is a good problem to have. I hope they can preserve some of those old grain elevators. I mean, they're just beautiful to drive by and see. They are. Yeah. They, they, tore, them all, they tore them all down in our town, but, um, there was a uh, an artist in town that that painted um, the all the elevators like a nice nice painting of it, oil painting of it, and um, that like everybody in town has that that on their wall. You know, that's like a, the prints of that. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely part of history, and it's uh, sad to see them all go. When I think about Standard, uh, there was this documentary on that town. Okay. Because there was a, a gal way back in the day, her name was Kelly. There was a kidnapping. Yeah. There was something yeah. along those lines. There was yeah. a gentleman I had met, and he was from Standard. So he told me that to check out that documentary. But wow, yeah. what a story. And yeah. Yeah. The what's I think I've read that as, or it was a podcast, I think, too. Yeah. It was, um, her name was Kelly, I think. Babysitter. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Kelly. Babysitter. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, she picked up. Uh, yeah. Sad story yeah picked up you know given a fake name kind of thing and, and mm. picked up and and you know thinking she was going on a babysitting job and, and never seen again so yeah it's, it's unfortunate when you go to wikipedia on standard that's like the one story that comes it really up. is yeah lots of good things there too you know but uh hasn't quite made the news like that and it was a it's a big deal back in that day so yeah it was interesting to listen through that podcast and they're just mentioning some of the names and you recognize the names so that was before my time. Um, my dad, I think, was up in Red Deer at that time. My mom wasn't even out here yet. So he was, you know, familiar enough with the story for sure, being from the, the town. But uh, yeah, sad, sad thing for sure. When you, you know, I think about it, did you know your whole life that you wanted to be a singer and a musician? No, not really. Not from um, like when I was young, I never thought, I mean, you don't even think of it as a career. You see rock stars and everything, right? But yeah, when I uh, was 15, again, mom and dad never had any instruments, never played, never played in bands, really. My grandpa on my mom's side, so she's from PEI, so he played uh, a lot of guitar, but it was just around the kitchen table and stuff, and always loved that. And it wasn't until I was 15, I was at a friend's house, and had uh, um, they always had a guitar in the corner, and I would always kind of pick it up and, you know, just kind of joke around with it, and... They were like, why don't you get a guitar? You always seem to be drawn to that. I was like, ah, maybe I should. So yeah, I got, got my first guitar when I was 15. Never had taken even piano lessons or sung or anything. So, um, but I, I just couldn't put it down after that. So it, it was uh, every time I got home from school, I was playing right till I went to bed as much as I possibly could. I just kind of fell in love with it. Learned a lot of songs through high school, kind of started playing just the, the bonfires and stuff, but still never even through college played a little, but never thought of it much as a career, never 
wanted to take money for it or anything. Again, it was just something I enjoyed so much. And, uh, finally the, uh, you know, I played around enough parties, the, the hometown bar had, uh, had hired me for, um, like $200 or something, you know, and wow. I love that. thought that was amazing to, to get paid and, you know, had a little amp that I bought and, you know, kind of, kind of thought, okay, maybe kind of started to get into my mind, but, um, I went to Nashville in 2009 and that was just kind of a, a last minute idea too. just kind of was reading through a road Atlas one day and, uh, that was on the table and saw Tennessee and I thought, man, it would be cool to go down there. So I'd saved up some money through it's working farming and doing the oil patch thing at that time too from Alberta here. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, ended up taking the truck and packing it up and, and going down there for about three months. And I thought, you know, if I make it in three, I'll make it in three months or I'll come back home. I got enough money for three months. And obviously that's not how it works, but just fell in love with the town. And there's a thousand other kids from small towns that, uh, you know, we all think we're pretty good in our town. And then you get down there and you realize you got a lot of work to do. You're humbled very quickly. So, uh, it was just a great experience that first one. And then when I came back, I think started thinking about like putting a little album together. My sister actually loved music as well. Uh, never played much more than a few piano lessons. And she had a job in the city and working at the beach music studio. She happened to get a job there. And part of her like, uh, training there was like, you got to record something. So she's like, you, you got a couple songs you want to come in. And <laughs> so kind of laid some down and, and we were just going to make it for mom for Christmas kind of thing. And, uh, then everybody wanted a copy. And then, it, then it kind of started to click that like, Oh man, maybe I can do this, you know, a little more seriously. And, uh, made another album and, and that really took off locally anyways, just kind of word of mouth and, and then got a manager and, you know, she started to teach me how to put things to radio and yeah, just kind of snowballed. And I loved just every aspect and still do. There's still just uh, so much love for the music, but just uh, love of the the chase of it and everything else. That's what, uh, what keeps me going. <clears throat> you know, I was wondering, is it better to stay an independent or go with a, a label? Yeah. There's that's so many pros and cons. Yeah. There is. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've loved the independence, the, the, the freedom and stuff too. But, um, I think there's definitely a point where like the label would be the, the right choice for sure. But, um, yeah, just making sure we're kind of working with the, the right people. And, and I think you just, I would say for any young artist, like do everything on your own for quite a while, you know, like I even had a couple of years before I might like get a full sense of the business, you know, booking your own thing. I think, people can uh, be too quick to kind of jump into something. And, and then when you realize it's the wrong thing, it might be too late. You might have, you know, a few year contract or whatever it might be. So um, yeah, just kind of take your time as a young artist to uh, really see the whole aspect of things. And then I think as your career develops, I think those things will kind of naturally either feel right or wrong because you have a good sense of what they're able to do for you. And, and, you know, just the bigger the team gets, the more I think you're able to concentrate on your music and, and the things that you should be doing and, and less on uh, kind of some of the day-to-day the -day, um, things that, uh, that somebody else could handle in a much quicker fashion. But uh, yeah, same as anything, it's same as the farm, the, the more you, um, you know, pay other people, the, the less you're keeping in your pocket too. So you just kind of got to watch it all. Now, Drew, where can um, someone, purchase your albums or where can we start and they say this vinyl that's coming out hopefully before yeah. christmas yep. i'm totally getting it by the way awesome. yeah we'll uh we'll push that first and and we're just kind of I, i've like 
got a mailing list vip club we always try to do some special things there so that that'll be the first place to go but you can sign up for that if you want on the website drewgregorymusic.com but they will also have uh you know we'll we'll have it for sale up there shortly after we we put it out to the the fan club and then yeah that's kind of where the hub for everything if you just want to go to drewgregorymusic.com we got the links to all our socials and you can kind of keep uh keep up to date on all that stuff too and if somebody wants to say book you for a gig or your band for a gig um say here in calgary how do they do so yeah that, that same same yeah. spot we have a book uh i think one of the headings is is booking or whatever so yeah or contact i guess and then uh yeah with well, that uh that website link will put you put you in touch with all the right people that's amazing have you gone to origin yet and uh played out there oh yeah definitely yeah love origin they've, they've been uh Great. We've never had like any official partnership, but when we were doing, you know, through COVID, I was doing a lot of Facebook lives and stuff like that. And always had an origin beer and cheers and everybody. And then they dropped some, I just, there, there'd be a case on my front doorstep, you know, every once in a while. So uh, just kind of good friends with them. And yeah, we played their birthday party every year um, in the summer. They do a big thing for heritage days. It's always a blast to put a big tent out in the parking lot there and, yeah, just good people. Nice to have that kind of, uh, and they're they're all farmers too. So I think the the branding crosses pretty pretty nicely as well. They they farm all their own barley that goes right into the into their own beer, which is kind of a a cool and rare thing that kind of farm to table thing. But um, yeah, good people, good brewery. I went to the car show out there, the classic auto show. Oh yeah, 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 super yeah. cool. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah Strathmore's got some cool things. Sometimes they. Uh, have a little bit of that Calgary bedroom community where it's like, you know, to get, to get some things, it's, it's kind of tough, but uh, yeah, especially I noticed the egg society is, is working really hard right now. They're putting on, uh, they're bringing out Brett Kissel next year. And um, they've just done, they did Emerson drive and Aaron Perchett last year. And we, we played the after party for that one. And it was a blast. So we're doing the one next year too. They're just trying to make use of town has some great facilities, you know, and you just need people to, to kind of, get excited about it and, and make some use of it and bring some people here and, you know, makes, makes people think it's maybe a, a cool place to live. And they got that uh, new airplane hangar that's coming in really, really soon as well. So that's going to lots of, lots of stuff going on. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun place to be. And here you're going to be moving out of there sooner or later. Yeah, we'll still be <laughs> close enough, hopefully to benefit from all of it. It's nice. The more stuff's came from it, again, nothing against Calgary or the, the city, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, we got all the grocery stores, everything here. It's uh, if you don't have to go, then uh, you can avoid the traffic and, and all that other stuff that comes with the city. But uh, love coming in there and playing for sure. Calgary's still got that kind of Western feel to it that uh, that we kind of are drawn to. Lots of lots of honky tonks and stuff starting up again that that were kind of shut down over COVID. And yeah, it's just uh, it's a it's a fun city to play in for sure. It's funny before we get going how we how we met. I bumped into you and I said, "Hey." Tanya's friend. More farmers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if there's a farmer and they're east of Calgary, we probably probably got a bit of connection with them. But yeah, that's obviously a great family. We've uh, we've played out the McWilliams family. We've played out at their farm uh, a few times, and uh, I think we were talking on the, the you know at the CCMA's there, you and I about um, you know just loving the uh, the big like we play Nashville North every year, and it's just an incredible energy. But um, it's equally as fun to me just to uh, kind of sit on a stool at a, at somebody's farm and just kind of pick a few songs and stuff too. That's uh, that's always been, been a, a fun thing too. And that's uh, they're a great family as well to, to do it for, to feel like those people get my songs uh, maybe even a little more than everybody else. Right. So that's yeah, cool. Cool. Well, thanks again, brother, for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome.